Welcome to episode 196 of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I'm a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book called Engineering Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers and through this podcast, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. People had their doubts about this podcast taking off, but since inception, we've had close to 2 million downloads and have been cited by Forbes as one of the top 15 most inspiring podcasts for professionals. Now, here's a short preview of this episode in which I will have a guest co-host with me who I'll introduce in a moment, and we'll be speaking with Jacob Huser about the intersection between people's careers and the company objective. People join companies and they quit managers. Like, hands down, that we see that all the time on our side as well. And when it comes to the managers, when managers go, well, then what do I do? I mean, this sounds really trivial, but investing in where your team is going with their careers and working to find that alignment does wonders to the growth of your team. Like if there was one thing engineering managers could do today that would radically change their teams is sit down and tell everyone, hey, next week, instead of our regular one-on-ones, I wanna spend an hour with each of you. And I wanna talk with you about where you're going in your career and how company X, where you're at right now, fits into that story. If you wanna get more people engaged, while learning and development, the stuff I do, that's more of a tactic that you can do afterwards. That initial conversation has such a huge ROI because those conversations just flat out don't even happen. All right. So before we introduce our guest, I have to introduce someone special that I have with me, a guest co-host for today, Carlita Wright. Carlita, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Well, thank you, Anthony. I am just excited to be here. So Carlita has been a listener of the show. She's been kind of on our mailing list at the Engineering Management Institute. And I reached out for some help and some volunteers with the podcast. And she jumped right up and I'm excited to have her here. Carlita, why don't you just introduce yourself and give our audience a little bit about your background? I'm actually a mechanical engineer by degree. And in 2005 is when I actually started entering to the industry where I was spent about 11 years in the manufacturing field. Here recently, I had a career shift and I wanted to find more fulfilling jobs that align more with my values. So I went to the role of environmental and in government. So I'm doing a lot of work with with the public sector and making sure that I provide value to our soldiers and military and our civilians. And what made you volunteer to want to jump on the podcast? Ever since I was in college, I've always been a leader in helping to bridge skills between, you know, to market entry. So I thought it was an awesome opportunity to leverage my experience and kind of be that go-between to help other engineers who were looking to develop their careers and to change, even change industries, no matter where they are in their careers. It's great to have you. We're excited to talk to Jacob together. And what I want to do now is let's introduce our guest. We're going to be having a conversation with Jacob User, who is an engineering leader, writer, speaker, and entrepreneur. Over the last 15 years, Jacob has managed high-powered engineering teams, including those behind the LinkedIn profile, Pinterest UI infrastructure, and social gaming systems. 
Today, he brings together his leadership experience and his passion for instructional design through creating products, consulting with companies, and helping people love their careers. Now, before we get started, this is a free show, of course, and our sponsors help us to keep it free. So we ask you to please support them. Now, I'd like to recognize our sponsors for this episode. Firstly, I'd like to recognize our sponsor, PPI, by asking you to listen up later on in this episode for my advice on how to advance your career in 2019. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your licensure exam. Don't miss it. I would also like to recognize our other sponsor for this episode, WPI. We talk a lot about developing new skills and broadening your knowledge base. As one of the first science and technology universities in the U.S., Worcester Polytechnic Institute has supported that for over 150 years. Choose from graduate degree and certificate programs in robotics, data science, power systems, mechanical engineering, biotechnology, systems engineering, and more. They're all available 100% online, and we thank them for their support of the show. All right, so Carlita, you ready to rock and roll? I'm ready. All right, Carlita, why don't you kick us into the interview with Jacob by giving our listeners a quote? Our future growth relies on competitiveness and innovation, skills and productivity. And these in turn rely on the education of our people. Julia Gillard. All right. Now we are excited to welcome our guest for today's episode, Jacob User. Jacob is an engineer and an instructional designer. Jacob, welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Carlita. Good to be here. So this is an interesting combination we got here, an engineer and an instructional designer. Why don't you start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got to kind of where you are today? Being an engineer and an instructional designer is kind of a weird combination because not a lot of people have a foot in both worlds. I actually mastered in instructional design in college, but being here in Silicon Valley, the draw to engineering is always present. I started out as a PHP engineer for a gaming company, worked there for a while, and got into managing teams where I found that working with individuals and growing them was just as satisfying as building code. I think coming full circle and bringing the sort of instructional aspects back to engineering was something that happened as I started to learn more and more things that were being built for like training, whether it was soft skills development, technical development. They were really, really generic and they weren't doing anything to take into account the needs of the individual. And that to me was just a travesty. And again, I think that's just because I'm here in Silicon Valley. Like you see a problem like that you're the best person to fix it suddenly. So I just dove headlong and have been doing it since. I appreciate that since at the Engineering Management Institute, that's, we do that as well for engineers in terms of management. I felt the same way. I mean, I feel like there's so much information out there that we should be able to meet people where they need to be met as opposed to just give them something off the shelf. But for our listeners that aren't too familiar with instructional design, just explain, you know, what does an instructional designer do typically? So the textbook definition of instructional design is to make instruction more effective. In practice, it actually means making the instruction more real, more relevant, and more repeatable. In the context of engineering, we can go and have a conversation and do training around soft skills development, but generic soft skills 
aren't going to take into account the realities of engineering leadership. So on the software side, which is where I tend to specialize, there are all kinds of technical conversations that as an engineering manager, you're expected to facilitate. But none of the off-the-shelf training prepares you for that sort of stuff. So in the spirit of instructional design, if you want to make something like that more relevant and more effective for the people that are consuming it, you have to roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty, work to understand the actual problems that the company and especially the engineering leaders are having, and then adapt a solution to their needs so that you don't lose the essence of what you're trying to teach, but you're able to convey it and work with it in a way that actually resonates with the audience. One of the things that we want to talk to you about, Jacob, because I know you have some expertise in this, you've done some research on this, is retention. We talk to a lot of engineering companies, and right now recruiting and retention is one of the most important aspects of the growth of any engineering firm. A lot of the markets are very competitive. Engineering companies are very busy. So number one, you got to find top talent. Number two, you have to retain it because if you don't retain it, you have a lot of problems. One of them being, of course, you lose momentum in your company, but it's also very costly. So can you talk about what you've learned a little bit about retention based on what you've been doing? Sure. I mean, retention is one of those things that is a hot button topic, especially uh, just talking with HR groups. Anyone who's felt the squeeze of headcount knows retaining talent is hard. We're in one of the most competitive job markets ever, especially in engineering. People can go pretty much anywhere to get a job. But what that means is that people are trying to find more and more ways to convince their top talent that, hey, where you're at right now is one of the best places to be. What isn't working anymore is throwing more and more money at people. There was actually a report I saw on LinkedIn a couple days ago that talked about average salaries in the Bay Area. And I think Facebook clocked in at like 240000 was the median salary. At some point, money just stops being a thing. Like, How much more money could you realistically throw at an engineer if that's the average? Like, We're getting to an extreme territory. And yet people are still leaving Facebook. So it's not about the money anymore. Some interesting research has been done on the topic, especially around this emerging millennial, post-millennial workforce, which I'm happy to be a part of. And the truth is, is that at some point, I hit that money ceiling too. When I decided to leave LinkedIn, I took a pay cut when I went to my next role. And because it wasn't about the money anymore, it was about the growth, the opportunity to learn, and the opportunity to do something that aligned with my passion and where I wanted to take my career. And that's a very different world from the companies even like three, four years ago. And so when we talk about retention, now it's talking about retention in the context of, well, what do I do to grow people? Not what do I do to make them stay? Because someone who's growing, someone who's evolving with the company and sees themselves aligned with where the company is going, it's not about them being retained at that point. They're actually doing the best work of their career and they'll continue to do so as they continue to grow with you. So, Anthony, I want to add something here for Jacob. Jacob, you know, I'm a strong believer that, you know, through my experience and observations, that you are absolutely right. There's a money ceiling. You know, there's so much money you can throw at people before there is um, a calling for something greater to your work to have more purpose. I'm also a believer that people don't quit jobs, they quit leaders, they quit their management. What kind of advice can you share with our audience that will talk to the point that how do we keep top talent engaged? How do we keep their attention and keep them 
focus on the right things, that way they can be developed, they can be groomed to be leaders and organizations. So I think you're completely right, Carlette, that people join companies and they quit managers. Like hands down, that we see that all the time on our side as well. And when it comes to the managers, when managers go, well, then what do I do? I mean, this sounds really trivial, but investing in where your team is going with their careers and working to find that alignment does wonders to the growth of your team. Like if there was one thing engineering managers could do today that would radically change their teams is sit down and tell everyone, hey, next week, instead of our regular one-on-ones, I want to spend an hour with each of you. And I want to talk with you about where you're going in your career and how company X, where you're at right now, fits into that story. If you want to get more people engaged while learning and development, the stuff I do, that's more of a tactic that you can do afterwards. That initial conversation has such a huge ROI because those conversations just flat out don't even happen. And I think Carlita, you hit it on the head there with that question about the managers, because quite frankly, just I know myself from working with a lot of engineers and going through an engineering career myself, as Jacob just hinted at, if your manager's intimates that he or she is interested in your actual career growth, there's just a completely different perspective that you then have on your job, on everything you're doing at work, because there's an obvious difference between those managers that are very mechanical and they're kind of like, we got to get our projects done. You got to be billable. Tell me where you're at. Tell me what's left. Are we on schedule? Are we on budget? Versus those managers who, yeah, they're interested in the, the success of the projects, of course, but they're also interested in taking the time to say, oh, by the way, how are you doing? What are your goals? What skills do you need to work on? How can I help you with your career? And so I think there's a, just a tremendous amount of value in that. And I think Jacob's right in that a lot of managers just don't realize, like, not that that's an easy thing to do, but it's not a difficult thing to do, to check in with people from time to time. And just, I would say most, I think it's a safe bet to say, good amount of engineering managers just don't do that, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Well, it's like having a little bit of like self-reflection here as a manager. Like you've got a team of say seven to 10 folks. They're going to leave eventually. As a manager, what you can control is their experience while they're there working for you. And they can either have a great experience or they can have a poor experience. But we're well past the era where people line up to a company and that's where they spend the next 40 years. That's simply not the norm. That's a very rare exception when that happens now. For the majority of the workforce, for the majority of the people on your team, you need to think about where they're going and how what the company needs to do fits into that. Otherwise, you're going to make decisions in isolation that aren't thinking about where these people are going with their careers, at which point you shouldn't be surprised if they give up on you and they say, well, I just don't see a future here or I'm not feeling challenged or one of the other common ones people often say is the commute. And it's like, well, this commute was good for three years, but... What changed? And what changed was they didn't see how to get where they were going working for you anymore. So it sounds like in having this conversation that the retention time in general has gotten shorter. And basically, one of the big reasons for it is this lack of attention to the employee, the staff, in terms of giving them growth opportunities. Is that accurate? The average tenure is definitely accurate. Uh, we're seeing... Most folks, especially in engineering, an average tenure of about two to two and a half years, which is down from where it used to be around 2.8 to 3. What we're seeing also happen, though, is with the average tenure dropping, managers aren't necessarily reacting to that landscape. They're not sitting there and saying, well, 
what am I going to do for the time they're here? Because a lot of times we're all going to change jobs. There will be a time like Anthony, Carlito, when you're not hosting podcasts. And thinking about what comes after that is a very crucial part of having a satisfied career. And it's not that people want to leave. It's that people feel like having to leave is the only way they can take their next step. And it's because nobody showed them how they could achieve what was important to them where they're at currently. Jacob, that's a very good point I wanted to ask you because I think, you know, it's both parties have a part to play in the development of the individual. So what do you think is needed to help employees understand that they have to own their development? They have to really get intimate with what they want and communicate those needs to the employer. And and it's okay to initiate. So what would you say to that point? It's funny you mentioned that because amidst the consulting, I'm doing some product development work specifically around trying to solve this problem. I think that the self-reflection is such a hard part and we don't all have great mentors that can peel the layers of this onion back and help us really get to our core issue. At the very least, if someone's trying to understand what's next, if they wanted to do some basic self-reflection, I would recommend folks just crack open a Google Doc and start with basically answering the phrase, what's the next big thing I want to achieve in my career? And then after you write that down, give yourself five bullet points and each one of those answer, why is that to the line above? What happens is you unpack this and it becomes, I want to be making as much money as, we'll go back to that, that recent Facebook number, as much as a Facebook engineer, I want to make 240000 Well, why is that? Well, because I want money to travel. Well, why is that? And you start getting to the things that are actually important to people. It's not that they want to make more money. It's that they want to see more of the world. And making more money in a company that can support that is what they see as a, as a means to that end, their tactics. And when you write that down, you get to the fundamental thing. Like, here's what's important to me. Here's why I want to achieve it. Then invite your manager Say, hey, I would like you to take a look at this so we could talk about this. These are kind of my long-term goals. What I found when people do that is the managers provide opportunities that employees had never considered. So using this example, and I changed the company and I changed the dollar amount, but this individual was ultimately looking for more money so they could do more traveling. Turns out the company actually has worldwide offices and the idea of you know, taking three months to travel and working from these different remote offices was entirely possible. That opportunity only showed up because the employee peeled back those layers and said, I'm going to trust my manager to find this alignment for me. Here's what's important to me. How can I get there? And the manager looked at it and said, you know, more money isn't on the table. But if this is your actual goal, this travel aspect, here's how we can make this work. And they've been loving their career since because they feel like the company understood what was important to them and found a way to create that alignment between, hey, here's what we need to get done as a company. Here's how we can also do that while helping you receive that sort of personal fulfillment. All right. Before we go on here, we want to take a quick break with Jacob to once again recognize our sponsor for this episode. This episode of the Engineering Career Coach podcast is sponsored by Worcester Polytechnic Institute. With graduate degree programs available part-time and 100% online, WPI gives you the skills that will make you more in demand in any job market. 
all without taking a break from your career. It's the same experience as on campus, same world-class professors, same top-tier education, but engineered to fit your schedule. Visit go2.wpi.edu slash T-E-C-C to explore more than 15 of their most popular graduate degree programs in science, technology, and engineering. That's go, the number two dot wpi.edu slash T-E-C-C or click the URL in our show notes. If you've been thinking about grad school, if you're wondering how you can stay up to date on the most current trends and innovations without dropping everything, your next step starts with WPI. I often get emails from engineers saying, I have my annual performance review coming up. I'm nervous and I'm not sure how to handle it. And a lot of times what happens in these reviews is, you know, they have you fill out a form. The supervisor kind of tells you like, listen, this is what you, we see that you accomplish this year. And this is what our goals are for you next year. And I often tell engineers, like you need to express your desires, you know, your goals, where you want to go, things that you want to do. And don't just sit there and wait for them to tell you everything that they want you to do. You have to be proactive with it, which is exactly along the lines of what you're speaking about here, Jacob. And I think if you're an engineer listening to this, be proactive in your career planning and your professional development because you know nobody knows what you want better than you. And if you don't think about it and walk through some questions like Jacob suggested here, you may find yourself five to 10 years down the road saying, how did I end up here? Wish I would have, I kind of went on this other road that I didn't realize I was going off the path. And so I feel like we kind of some kind have to keep ourselves on track or have someone kind of help us do that. You actually touched on something really interesting there that I just wanted to quickly go back to. You mentioned like in the performance review cycle and things like that, don't try and do this reflection during a performance review, but oftentimes that's what triggers it. Take some time, do it separate, And honestly, your corporate tool, whatever it is, whether it's small improvements or things like that, are going to be the things you can help the company achieve. But those tools aren't really optimized for how's the company going to help you achieve what's important to you. And so that's why I always recommend a Google Doc because you need something you can take with you that you can show a mentor that you don't necessarily have to log into your corporate intranet to show somebody outside of the company when it comes to your goals. But you should definitely keep it somewhere. Do it outside of the review process and make sure it's something that you're going to be able to check in on regularly. It's all about being proactive. All right, let's switch gears here because we're talking about the importance of growth opportunities and how they can limit retention and how many engineers want them to succeed. And a lot of times growth opportunities end up in training, going to training courses, taking a certification course, whatever the case may be. And one of the things that you focus on, Jacob, is instructional design, and you focus a lot on the person learning, which I think is is a great approach. Can you talk about that a little bit? So the concept of sort of human-centered instruction is this idea that learning has to be custom and it has to be personal. And not just pedagogically, this idea that we all have different learning styles. Some of us are visual, some of us are audio, some of us are kinesthetic. But fundamentally, If I were to take, say, a difficult conversations training module, what works in one context for, say, a sales and a marketing group won't work for the engineering group, won't work for the product group, won't work for the executive suite. You can't actually just take the same module 
and deliver it in these different contexts and expect it to work consistently the same every time. And the reason is because every one of those groups has a different set of collective experiences, has different experience levels, and has different expectations on how they can relate to the content that's being discussed. And so when we talk about customizing instruction, a lot of the work I do on the learning and development consultancy side is around sort of helping people shape something that they've already got and making it more relevant for their target groups so that your difficult conversation with, say, the engineering organization, that module is based on actual problems the engineering organization has had around that topic. Really focusing on the individual so that when they attend the training or when they go through the process, they're going to come out of there on the back end, not just with some new helpful skills, but kind of equipped to tackle their specific challenges that they're dealing with. That's right. And thinking beyond the initial module as well. So how are you going to keep these skills in practice? How are you going to put them to use? The difficult conversations one comes up just because it's a module I had developed for a group about four months ago. And afterwards, we put together a cohort where the people that were in that learning module got together once a month to talk about their experiences putting things into practice and to redo some of the role play scenarios, either ones they wanted to work on, ones they struggled with, and would partner off amongst themselves to continue practicing the skill. Because reinforcement of learning doesn't stop as soon as we all walk out of the classroom. You have to actually be able to apply it. And since we all don't have, in this case, difficult conversations waiting for us when we come out of the training, we need a way to keep practicing and keep it sharp so that when the time comes and we have to have one of those conversations or have to put another skill to use, it hasn't atrophied so bad that the training and development felt worthless. I've talked to too many people that have had that, I think, mentality when they walk out of a training. And even today, I think one of the challenges with training from my own experience is that people go to a training that, let's say they go to a one-day, two-day conference or some kind of a training that they all go to one location for a day, a bunch of managers. They get hit with all of this information. It's often people will refer to it as, you know, like drinking from a fire hose or something like that. And then they go back to their millions of projects that they're working on and they don't get to take any of the information and actually use it. And so I think when you take an approach, as Jacob is suggesting here, where you think about their needs and then you really build the program around them, it just makes it much easier to take what they're learning and transfer it back to the job because it's very applicable to the job. And I think that that's a big component of successful learning and, and training today from my experience. And to add to that, I think it's important, you know, to think about like how much time should an organization dedicate to development? Like how much time is reasonable? Because we still have to do our business, run the business and make money to keep that business sustainable. So, Jacob, what would you say would be your advice to help lead you know, businesses to know how much time is appropriate that way we're not wasting time? So I think any time that the people you put into a learning module are gaining transferable skills and they transfer it back to the business, that is not time lost. When we frequently talk about time lost, it's always in the context of training and development that wasn't effective. We talk about skills that we got a fire hose of information, as Anthony said, we don't apply it. And then three months later, nobody remembers what was covered in the training. The easiest way to make sure you're getting your ROI on any sort of learning and development is ask the learner to answer first the question of 
Why are you here? And I know that sounds like horribly existential. So hear me out here. You're in this training for a reason. And it shouldn't be because your boss said, I want you to take this training. There's something you want to get out of this that you want to achieve, that you want to improve. And if you actually commit yourself to improving that aspect, there may be a fire hose of information, but at least you're coming with a bucket so you can walk away with something. And if you can answer that, if you can answer, why am I here? What do I want to get out of this? Then the second question is a lot easier, which is how am I going to apply this? And that's a conversation you can take back from the training to your manager and say, hey, I went to this training. This is what I wanted to get out of it. This is how I'm going to apply it in my role. And now you've created that accountability with the manager. And that's how the training actually sticks. So when you think about ROI, coming to your original question there, I think, Carlita, the best way to make sure you're getting that ROI is to make sure that the things people are learning are coming back to the business. And that means making sure people know why they're in the training, what they want to get out of it, and how they're going to come back and apply it. If they can answer those three questions, they're going to walk away from that training with something that was specifically valuable to both them and your business. And I think kind of the running theme of this episode here, this conversation really has been about being proactive in your career. We talked about being proactive in terms of thinking about where you want to go, which will be helpful when you sit down and you have your review. If you've already thought that out, you're going to be able to have a conversation with your boss around that and maybe make some moves or differences like Jacob's example that he gave where someone was able to travel because of that. If you're proactive and you think through why you're going to attend the training and what you want to get out of it, then when you go to the training, you'll be receptive and you'll be looking for those things that you can take and use and extract those items as opposed to getting blown away with all this information. So I think that's something that is kind of a key component of this. We're talking with Jacob User from Lead SV. We're talking about growth in companies and how growth opportunities is what helps to retain people. Jacob is an instructional designer and an engineer. So we've been talking a little bit about how to make training how to optimize it really for people. And so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask Jacob to stick with us. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to wrap this one up in our Take Action Today segment. And we're going to ask Jacob one more question so that you can take all this information and try to apply it. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show where Carlita and I want to ask Jacob one more question so we can leave you with some really actionable strategies to take action on after you listen to this podcast. But before we do that, we do want to recognize our sponsor for today's Take Action Today segment, PPI. Do you feel stuck in your job? Not sure how to move forward? All of us have been there at one point. One surefire way to move up in your career is to get your engineering license. The best place to gather info on licensure and pick from multiple print and digital review options is ppi2pass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers, including me, pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. They offer licensure exam prep for the FE, PE, and SE exams, so no matter where you are on your path to career advancement, you can count on PPI's support. Take the first step towards making 2019 a great year for you professionally and check out everything PPI offers to make your journey to engineering licensure as smooth as possible. Visit ppi2pass.com to find essential licensure exam prep books, digital review, and helpful tips and advice. That's PPI, the number two, pass, 
Jacobusercoaching.com. All right, we're back with Jacob User from Lead SV. We're talking about training. We're talking about instructional design. We're talking about growth opportunities. We've talked about a lot of stuff and really, as I mentioned, really about being proactive in your career. And Jacob, what we like to do here in our Take Action Today segment is our listeners have just listened to us chat a little bit for 20, 25 minutes, just kind of like we talked about. It's a fire hose, right? They're getting all this information and we want to kind of send them off with something actionable that they can do to take action on what we've talked about here in this episode. So what's one thing that you recommend that they can do to take action in terms of their growth in their career around everything we've discussed? Well, Anthony, Carlita, like one of the things we talked about earlier in the podcast was this idea of cracking open a Google Doc and doing some self-reflection. And I think if, before you ask people on your team to do this, the number one thing that you could do as an engineering manager is do this reflection yourself. Crack open a Google document and answer the uncomfortable question, why am I managing at this company? Why am I here? There's something you want to achieve at your current employer. And it could be anything from financial stability to maybe specific skills you're trying to develop to simply, I'm at this company because it enables me to manage and grow individuals. And I get a lot of satisfaction from that. And then do those five bullet points and drill down into the why. And understand why it is you're managing and why managing at this company is important to you. And you'll see... Things come into such clarity that you can't not recommend this to your team as you sit down with them in their next one-on-ones and say, hey, I was listening to this podcast. I did this reflection thing that this guy Jacob was telling me to do. It made it much easier for me to figure out what's important to me. So go do that reflection. And when you see how valuable it is, it's an easy sell to talk your team into doing it as well. Yeah. And what I would say to that as well is imagine if you ask someone on your team to go through this exercise, asking themselves these questions and getting their career goals, figuring out what their career goals are. And they came back to you and said, well, that's a good question. What are your goals? Right. I mean, obviously someone's probably not going to say that to you, but what if they did, right? Are you prepared to tell them what they are? Have you thought that out yourself? And I think Jacob makes a great point in that if you're going to ask someone to do something as a leader, you got to lead by example. So start with that. Most of our listeners are managers or aspiring to be managers. It's never too early or too late to go through a process like that because there's always things you can change, tweak, adjust in your career. And without those goals or those thoughts, at least, it's really hard to do that. Jacob, thanks so much for spending some time with us here. Where can our listeners find you or learn more about your instruction? So probably the best place to go is I've got a landing page for EMI folks. They can go to leadsv.com forward slash EMI, Engineering Management Institute. So leadsv.com forward slash EMI. And I'll have some of the stuff that we talked about today. It'll be easy if you want to just grab some time and chat, whether it's about growing in like the talent development aspect, or maybe you're actually like looking for more of the custom learning and development stuff. There's ways to get in touch with me there. There's ways to grab time on my calendar. Always happy to chat with people and just hear their stories too about you know how this reflection worked, how it didn't. I'm always up for hearing how things are going in the wild. Great. Thank you so much, Jacob, for spending some time with us here on the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me, both of you. It was great talking today. 
I hope you enjoyed the episode today with Jacob User. Jacob's doing really interesting and exciting things. I also want to thank Carlita for guest co-hosting with me. It's always nice to have a, uh, a kind of a co-pilot along for the journey. And one thing I want to just mention real quick is we do have another session of the Engineering Management Accelerator online remote workshop coming up in late March. March 21st is the kickoff. I keep getting questions from engineers through LinkedIn, through the podcast, through the email. What's the best thing I can do to become a better manager? And I'm not just saying this to sell our course, but take the Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop. It's relatively inexpensive for what you're getting. You can most likely get your company to reimburse you. And basically, we cover all the key people skills that managers need to succeed, how to communicate effectively with clients and coworkers. We have a session on building expertise and improving your public speaking skills. We have a session on productivity, which is probably everyone's favorite session. We have a session on networking and building relationships, and then a session on effective leadership, including delegation. And listen, you go through the course with me. You can ask questions on the calls. You can do it on demand and watch the videos after. You could take action through the assignments. And that's what engineers are doing. In fact, I just reviewed one of the assignments from one of our participants this morning, and she did a full 80-20 analysis on all the tasks she performs at work. And she's now able to clearly see where she needs to spend more of her time and what tasks she needs to delegate. And that's going to make her a much better manager. So you could check out the program at engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. I hope you'll join us. And if you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, go to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Look for episode 196 of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And don't forget to check out our upcoming live webinar this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering career endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.